So today we are continuing our uh, our kind of study during the, these days of uh, of counting the Omer. And if you're not familiar with that, again, counting the Omer means counting the days from uh, Passover, basically from Passover to Shavuot, right? And traditionally. Um, it is the days, uh, Jew, in, in Jewish tradition, it is the days from leaving Egypt to getting to Mount Sinai and receiving the Torah. In uh, a Christian tradition or in the New Covenant, what we read is that uh, you know, when Yeshua was raised from the dead, there was 50 days to the pouring out of the Ruach HaKodesh, Right? Uh, and so uh, the, the journey, the 50-day journey, is not from Egypt to Sinai, but Yeshua's resurrection life, his, his resurrection life. And then I, I sent out an email the other day on day 40, right? That on day 40, that is the day of the ascension, the day that Yeshua ascended into the clouds to the right hand of, of the Father. And it was 10 days Later, that we come to the uh, events that you read about in the second chapter of Acts. And that will be next Sunday. It just so happens it's, uh, it's on a Saturday night and, and Sunday. So Shav- that is when Shavuot uh, will, will, will be. And we'll certainly celebrate that with a nice special service. So in this journey, I thought it would be wise to talk about you know, we want to deepen our walk with God, right? And, and so I encourage people to read the, intentionally read the scriptures. I suggested reading Jeremiah to engage in acts of chesed, acts of loving kindness with people, uh, and also to be praying for one another, specifically the prayer that is, uh, that begins in verse 18 of, uh, Ephesians chapter one. You know, may the eyes of your heart be enlightened. Uh, and, uh, and I hope we, we, we've been doing that, praying that for specifically for other people that were, you know, in other words, we'd be praying for each other on this journey, you know, and hopefully we've been uh, doing that because our goal is always spiritual transformation, a deeper walk with the Lord. And, uh, and so, as I've said, I, I thought it would be wise to talk about, I call them virtues, but they're almost like, I'm thinking like markers along the road. You know, uh, markers along the road that, that we, things we could see in our lives and in the lives of others to see that we're moving forward on the journey. You, you know, it's not just this, this thing of, uh, well, I feel like I'm closer to the Lord, you, you know, but that there are actually markers along the way. So we talked about humility and uh, we talked about uh, meekness, not meekness, we talked about mercy, we talked about courage, uh, we um, I talked about uh, generosity, right? Uh, and today, we're going to, um, I was, I, I have to confess, I really was wrestling with this week. Uh, I was wrestling with this week because there's so much happening in the world to, uh, you know, to uh, address and encourage and frame from a, uh, a biblical point of view to encourage us to stay on the journey, right? Uh, and so I, I thought what we would talk about today 
is uh, trust. Trust. It's sort of a, a kind of a first cousin to courage, uh, but that's okay. Uh, but uh, I thought we would talk about trust. One, a, a great marker, virtue, value, uh, a trait uh, of people that uh, are walking with God and deepening that walk with God is, uh, is trust. Trust, betach in, in Hebrew, right? And, and really, I, I, well, what's interesting uh, I'm going to read a passage that uses the word uh, a couple of different uh, a couple of different ways. It's a passage in Second Kings, in Second uh, Kings chapter 18. You also read about it in Chronicles, but I thought we'd use the Second Kings version of it. It is when Hezekiah is the king, and he's uh, uh, he's being besieged. Uh, by the Assyrians. And he's standing there. Now, here is a king that was one of the good ones. You know, he's one, one of the reforming kings. He's one of the, he's one of the kings. He's really one of the top three kings in Israelite history. Okay. Uh, and uh, here he is getting nervous because of, you know, of holding on to Jerusalem. Hezekiah, by the way, was a really interesting, uh, interesting king. He uh, not only was a king, but uh, in his day, he would have made a great civil engineer, right? Because uh, here, uh, he realized that what the Assyrians were going to do is they were going to surround Jerusalem, and they would deprive them of water. And if they deprived them of water, that would be the end of it. Then the, the, the people would die, right? right? And so uh, he organized uh, and, of course, delegated the responsibility uh, of building a tunnel, right, from the uh, pools outside of Jerusalem so that water, underground water, could come into Jerusalem. And if you've ever visited uh, Jerusalem, you can walk through Hezekiah's tunnel, Right? Now, he was a civil engineer, but you know what? He wasn't perfect, right? Some of you know this, right? So they began, they began digging the tunnel at one end outside of Jerusalem, and then the other end inside of Jerusalem. The idea was, you know, is that they would meet. Well, they were really close, but they were off by really a few yards, maybe? Not, not, very, not very far. And so there's this L, when, you know, and, and you can walk through it, and your feet get wet uh, because there's still water that, that flows. Uh, it's like maybe ankle deep or so, maybe a little less even, uh, that flows through it. So it's kind of, uh, kind of interesting to walk through Hezekiah's tunnel. But nevertheless, I, when push came to shove, Hezekiah was uh, kind of nervous uh, about this. And uh, so there was this man who was like heckling him. Right? Uh, and challenging him, uh, kind of like the way people might challenge you today or, or me today about how can you believe in How's God going to get you through this? That's ridiculous, you know? Uh, and so it's a, a very interesting little piece here. In uh, 2 Kings chapter 22, we read in um, verse, oh, 18. What did I say? Chapter 22, it's verse, chapter 18. 
I'm sorry, chapter 18, verse 22. There we go. All right. All right. I actually, of course, I'll go back a few verses. Right? Okay. All right. So you have this guy, Rab Shakeh. Okay? Rab Shakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria. So he's like the spokesperson for Sennacherib, who is the king of Assyria, right? What is this confidence that you have? You say, but they are empty words. I have counsel and strength for the war. Now on whom do you rely that you have rebelled against me? Now behold, you rely on the staff of this crushed reed, even on Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and all who rely on him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and has said to Judah and to Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Now therefore, now therefore, come and make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able to part, uh, on your part, to uh, set riders on them. Okay, we'll stop there. The reason I want to read this is because this little section contains that word a whole bunch of times, betach. But in your English translation, it is the word for confidence, it is the word for rely on, uh, and it is the word for trust. Uh, and so it's helpful in understanding that word. What does trust mean? It means to have confidence, to rely on, uh, uh, and to uh, sort of put our eggs in the basket of, right? Uh, and, uh, and so we read in a lot of different places a description of, uh, a description of, um, of trust, of trusting God. In fact, this week's Haftorah portion is a fantastic uh, um, illustration of that in Jeremiah chapter 17. Right? In uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, uh, he begins with, uh, uh, you know, the sins of the people, the building of altars and, uh, you know, and, and things of that nature. Uh, and then in verse 5, he says this, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in a desert, and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt and without inhabitant. And so he's saying that the one who trusts in mankind will never be satisfied. It's never going to work. You'll never get what you want. It'll, 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 it will uh, be kind of like this uh, vicious uh, a cycle of uh, hope and dashed hopes. Uh, you know, and oftentimes, of course, uh, you know, in our world, that's exactly what we see. Uh, world leaders and regimes come and go. 
no one is ever able to fulfill uh, all of the promises uh, that they make, uh, yet uh, we continue to place our hope uh, in the basket of power, uh, in the basket of uh, politics, uh, in the basket of people, and kind of like uh, uh, Kohelet, you know, I just taught this class on Ecclesiastes, and as I said in the two Chavara groups that I teach on Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, soon it will wear off, you know. I'll, <laughs> Ecclesiastes will wear off of me after a while. But right now it's still in the front lobe, okay? Uh, so, you know, basically uh, what you read there is what happens when you trust in what you see, and what you experience, in what you see and what you experience. If you trust simply in what you see and what you experience, you come out frustrated and confused. Frustrated and confused. Because you realize that there's very little in this life that I can control, right? One of the issues that Kohelet had in Ecclesiastes was, who knows what's going to happen? I know that there's God and I know he's there, but there's no way of figuring out anything that's going to happen. It's as if everything is random that takes place in life. I know that there's an order of time, but I don't know what time it is. You know? Uh, and good people, you know, death is the great leveler, the great equalizer, right? Good people die, bad people die. Uh, you, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in life. Uh, uh, so you might as well just en enjoy what's before your eyes, right? Recognize, of course, it's, it's from God and enjoy it. But, but there's really, uh, the rest of it is all an enigma. It is an enigma. Not worthless or meaningless, by the way, uh, but an enigma, a riddle, a mystery. Something like, it's like gra trying to grab the wind. You can't figure it out, Right? That's what happens when we trust in mankind, right? I think for, for many people, trusting, in, you know, in, in my class, I used my family as an example of this. I, I'm very blessed. You know, I had, a lovely, love, I had lovely parents, you know, mom and dad. But, you know, they were not Messiah followers. Uh, or, you know, they, they were, I, I would say, they were observant Jewish people, but not what I would call religious you know, some of you probably can figure out the difference between those two things, right? Uh, and but but they seemed they uh, they lived a nice life, and so uh, so the question is, so how could that be if if they're you know if they're not looking to the eternal and eternal life? So how how I just said if you just place your hope in mankind, how can uh, you know there be anything but this sense of a of a confusion and disappointment. Well, I said, what I said was, most people just have a very low bar of, of what really is satisfying in life. In other words, I, you know, okay, uh, we lived in a house, we raised a, a child, um, worked, retired, got old, and uh, there you go. <laughs> you, you, you know? Uh, and so I, we're conditioned in, the, in that way. And so I think that's, that's why we might say, well, not everybody is uh, frustrated and, you know, and, and living a, a terrible life of disappointment. Perhaps internally, some things, people resign themselves to whatever. 
But, but the, the fact is, there's so much more, there's so much more to life uh, when uh, we're trusting in God. You know, at the Seder, what do I say? I say, what if when we're eating the charosis and the, here, this is a test. For those of you that had attended 25 or more Passover Seders here at Beth Messiah, <laughs> uh, uh, when we're eating the, the charosis and the maror, when we're eating the sweet, you know, charosis and the bitter herb, what do I say? What if all we ever ate was Marlowe? Marcy, yes, indeed. What if all we ever ate was horseradish? Right? What do I say? I say, we'd never know it was a bitter herb. It's just what you experience. That's like having a low bar. You, you, you know? Uh, and, and so here in, this, uh, here in this text, when it says, he will be like a bush in the desert. Okay, well, if a bush in the desert is the only thing you've ever experienced, a bush in the desert is not a bad thing, right? Uh, and so, but there's so much more. But there's so much more. We say that at the Seder, too. Okay. Uh, and so what is that so much more? That is here in verse 7. Uh, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. Very good, right? Not just, not just trusting in, I like the teaching, or, you know, I agree with the doctrinal statement, you know? It's trusting in the Lord, in Him, in His Word. I, you know, when He says that He is present, He'll never leave me, He'll never forsake me, He is real, uh, and I can know Him, yes, I my trust is the Lord. I'm relying on Him, not on what they say about Him. I'm not relying on Howard. I'm not relying on Beth Messiah. I'm not relying on Marcy. I'm not relying on uh, Henry. I'm not relying on the guy on TV. I'm not relying on... Because people will always disappoint you on some level. And so... You know, I will just say to us, by the mercies of God, I beg you, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. That's where blessing comes. And then Jeremiah does a really kind of neat thing. He takes a piece of Psalm 1 and sticks it in here. Isn't that interesting? It tells us how old Psalm 1 uh, must be here. For he will be like a tree planted by the water comes right out of Psalm 1, that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. Remember what I said, I think I said this a few weeks ago, that we're like tea bags, right? That when you put us in the hot water, what we really are comes out, right? So that we will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green. That means to flourish, flourish. Flourish, be healthy, you know? And it will not be anxious in a year of drought, which means there will be a year of drought. But we don't have to be anxious, nor cease to yield fruit. Now, we'll stop there. If you go back to Psalm 1, we, this is a real teachable moment here. We're thankful to Jeremiah for putting this in, because if trusting the Lord yields this, so does this. 
So trusting the Lord must have something to do with these words. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the Torah of the Lord, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. So to trust in the Lord is basically tantamount to meditating on the word of God, to finding delight in the things of God, to not be hanging around or make your lifestyle among those who rebel or reject or, or you know, uh, purposefully walk off the path. That's not trusting is staying on the path. Trusting is believing God that God's word is true, right? Uh, uh, and engaging God and engaging God himself. And there we see uh, uh, in uh, Jeremiah 17 and Psalm 1, you have the, the result. It's having deep roots. It's being nourished. Uh, it is uh, uh, living what we would call an abundant life in the biblical definition of it, right? Uh, and so that, which means not falling apart when bad things happen, not looking at the world or what I have trusted in. If I see cracks in it, then to say, well, then where is God? Then there is no God. You know, the sun, this is a, today is a good example of this. The sun is out, but all I see are clouds. It doesn't mean there is no sun. The sun is behind the clouds. I know that. So I can trust that the sun is up, even though I don't, I don't see the sun. And so also, in great times of distress, you know, I, uh, when we simply look at the distress, it can seem like an enigma. It's mysterious. I, it's a riddle. I can't figure it out. But when we go with whom we know, that is where that indestructible trust comes, right? And so we read a lot about trust. You know, there's some really uh, great passages about trusting God, great devotional passages. Another one that comes to mind uh, is uh, in uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means like with all of you, like jump in, right? Uh, and do not lean on your own understanding. Again, it's like leaning on my own understanding. Those of you that were in the uh, Ecclesiastes course know exactly what that's all about. It's exactly what, uh, what Kohelet was, was, uh, was doing there, right? Leaning on his own understanding. Uh, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Okay? Uh, it doesn't mean a perfect life. It, you know, it, it means that you're, you're walking on the right road. <laughs> okay? Uh, but, uh, again, when he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, this might be another answer to what Micah asks. Uh, you know, uh, to, to, what, what does the Lord require? Another way of saying that might be, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. 
Oh, with all your heart, with all your heart. You know, that just sounds really familiar. All your heart, all your heart. Could it be this? Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul and with all your might. May I suggest when he says with all your soul and with all your might. These are not three categories of three entirely different things. Okay? They do say different things. But it's accentuating the point. Love him with everything. You can jump into the deep end of the pool with God. You know? Uh, and, uh, and so there are many, many passages uh, that we read like this. Another one is, uh, uh, since you ask, is in uh, Isaiah chapter 26. Right? Some of you may be thinking this one, right? In verse 3, The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust the Lord forever. For in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. Right? And so, trust in the Lord. You know, if we continued in Jeremiah 17, you know, the very, the very next thing says, uh, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Right? Uh, and, and so, better to trust, not in our own understanding, but in the understanding of God, because... Sometimes we don't tell ourselves the truth, right? We all have that inside voice, right? And based on our own personal life and experiences, we don't, we, we're, all, we're constantly talking to ourselves our, entire, our whole lives, right? But sometimes we're not telling ourselves what is true. And so we have to remember that, that our heart, we can't always rely on it. We cannot always rely on what we're feeling or, or you know, I, the, the, uh, the impression that my heart has is not always from God, nor is it always from Satan, okay? But just from my own life experiences, and it's not always telling us the truth. That's why, you know, we use this term, it's always good to get a... Reality check. Let me tell you what I'm thinking. Do I, this is making sense. That's a good thing to ask a trusted friend. You know? Uh, because sometimes we forget uh, what the Lord, uh, what, what God says in his word, and we're trusting ourselves. We're trusting a feeling that we have. And not trusting God. If we trust God and his word, when we, are, as a Messiah follower, if we sin and we're feeling terribly condemned and maybe rejected of God because I've sinned, and I, boy, if they only knew what I was really like, you know, that kind of thing. Well, there happens to be a verse that talks about uh, if we're in Messiah Yeshua, we are not condemned. There's no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua. Right? Remember who you are. Repeat it. Sometimes we have to repeat those things out loud to drown out the inside voice until the inside voice is agreeing with it. You know? Uh, and recognize that my, when my trust is in God, I'm going to 
I'm going to trust what he has said, even if I don't feel it. It's kind of like the renewing of the mind. By, by my will, I'm going to believe what God has said, no matter what it looks like. You know how you read in Romans chapter 4, in hope against hope, Abraham believed because he saw his own body and, a wife and the body of his wife. And let's just say they were beyond childbearing age. Right? And so it's like he looked at himself, he looked at Sarah, no way! Right? Right. But in hope against hope, he believed what God had said. That's trusting in God and not in his own understanding. Right? You know, while we're uh, a little bit in Isaiah, there is uh, also Isaiah uh, chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. And Isaiah 30 is interesting because if you know the background, what's going on historically, this is, this is Hezekiah. This is, he's, he's talking to Hezekiah. You know that Isaiah was a, he was an advisor to King Hezekiah. And a lot of what he writes is what his advice was to the king. So, you, you know, uh, uh, at, the en- by the, at the end of, of uh, Isaiah 39, uh, uh, you, re- you read something very interesting there. Isaiah's encouraging words to Hezekiah after he's, he's taunted, like I said at the beginning of the message, you know, then Isaiah encourages him to, you know, stick with the program. But here, at the beginning of the chapter, this is, this is a great passage. Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan, but not mine. Okay? Uh, uh, Who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, in order to add sin to sin. Who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me. Now, by the way, this is another place where another prophet engages one of the Psalms to make a point. Look what he says. Who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me, to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Does that sound like a particular psalm to anybody? Psalm 91, the beginning of Psalm 91. It sounds very much and includes many of the same words as the beginning of Psalm 91 about taking shelter and refuge in the Lord. And what Isaiah is saying to Hezekiah, You're trying to make a deal with Egypt. See, in Israelite history, in ancient Jewish history, it was always this. Let's see. Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) I got Egypt over here, and I got Mesopotamia over here. I got Assyria or Babylon over here. Who is the stronger one? Who's going to defend us against the other one? Who do I make an alliance with? And the issue of faith in these kings was, trust me. This is the land you know, that, that I have, have given you. Uh, you know, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we'll trust in the name of the Lord our God. That was a real challenge to these kings. And, and so what Isaiah is saying to Hezekiah is, you're trusting in, your, in a political strategy. In a political and a military strategy is what you're trusting in, Hezekiah. Well, if you go down to verse 15... We read this. For thus says the the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In repentance and rest you shall be delivered. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you were not willing. 
And you said, no, for we will flee on horses. Therefore, we shall flee, and we will ride on swift horses. Therefore, those who pursue you shall be swift. I, I, you know, and then he goes on and talks about this. Then in verse 18, it says, Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all who long for him. That is one of the few places in the Bible where it says the Lord longs to be gracious. Like he, like he desires, like he's hungry to be gracious. You know, if only, it reminds me of Yeshua, right? When uh, he weeps over Jerusalem, uh, you know, and he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I've, I've, uh, my desire was to gather you together as a, as a hen gathers her chicks, but you were unwilling. Uh, you, you know, uh, and, and so trusting in God uh, is the strength. Notice that's the, the point there, that your strength is in your trust of God. And notice that in, that, uh, in, in, these, in these passages, whether we're talking about Isaiah 30 or Isaiah 26 or Proverbs 3 or Jeremiah 17, that the call to trust is in times of difficulty, are in times when I need to figure it out. Not when everything's going great, but in difficult moments, right? This is where, I, you, you know, uh, uh, we know who's who is Am I really trusting in God in a time of trouble? And, you know, we're living in a day. We're living in a day where that's becoming clearer and clearer. That in a day of trouble, where are we putting our eggs? There was a time, in most of our lifetimes even, when the general, the general culture was kind of, you know, the Judeo-Christian culture was kind of in line with the Bible, even though not really, you, you know. But now the ship has left the dock, right? And, and, and so, so now, I was just talking to a colleague uh, of mine, um, one of our Messianic leaders in another part of the country, and he was saying this very same thing, that, uh, um, you know, uh, he used the, the phrase... Uh, you know, what's coming is a day of separating the men from the boys, but we might say the adults from the children, right? Yes, I, I you know, didn't want to go the wrong way on that. So uh, the, the adults from the children in the room, you know, that uh, is our trust really in God. Are we really hoping in God? Uh, do we really believe of his presence in our life uh, uh, today? Uh, do we rely on his character. Well, you know, uh, I will just say some ways to do that uh, are to remember, remember past times of testimony. Remember past times of, of trusting God. This is where many of the Psalms kind of come in handy, you know, uh, of uh, like Psalm 103 to 107 are really good ones of Remembering times that despite our, despite rebellion, despite 
uh, people not obeying God. God was faithful and came through. And I think we could probably all think of sometimes in our own lives. Uh, you know, and that's why it's good to keep a journal, by the way. Like your own little book of Psalms. You know, to, to sing, even if you're creative enough, to make up a little song about, right? And uh, I'm not going to turn there, but you know that in uh, Joshua chapter 4, that when the people cross through uh, uh, the Jordan uh, to get to the land, they, uh, they built like this little memorial of rocks uh, to, to remember what God had done, that they could look back. And they can say, remember what God had done. And this is all throughout the Bible. Remembering Egypt, remembering Egypt. It's not just being appreciative of what God did then, but he's still God. And uh, in Micah, in the seventh chapter, he says that. You, you know, that just as I brought you out of Egypt, I am still the, the deliverer. To remember uh, these things and to remember other great passages of faith and trust in God. Commit them to memory. Print them out. Say them over and over again. And by our, own, by our will, we will, we will lean on the truthfulness of the Lord. And we will be able to keep our head uh, indeed above the uh, water. Very quickly, I want us to turn to a psalm. And because here is a very interesting testimony. And that is Psalm 13. We don't often turn to Psalm 13. Psalm 13. It's one of those psalms that you're probably not going to say, like, at the beginning of a service. You know? How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity is very different from, How long, O Lord! Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Okay, this is a great psalm. And so, uh, you know, the first question to ask is, what's, what's going on? Well, clearly something bad. Okay? Clearly uh, circumstances that are testing David's mettle. Circumstances that are testing David's spiritual metal. I look around me and I don't know what's happening. None of it makes any sense. I'm scared. It's the kind of feeling, you know, depending on where you are in life, uh, it could be as bad as, you, you know, all I ke everything keeps falling apart. I'm losing my house. I'm getting bad news from the doctor. Uh, my marriage is falling apart. Everything, lost my job. Everything's a mess. It could be that extreme, but it doesn't have to be that extreme. It could be just, uh, you know, I'm observing horrible things in this world. And certainly this week, we've all observed horrible things in this world. And you know, it's a chilling thing. It was my observation this week that uh, while, you know, I, it's hard to even process what happened down there in Texas, it's not unexpected anymore. It's like, yeah, that happened. Like, it's bad, clearly, you know, horrible, horrific. But yeah, that happened. What a horrible reality that it's like an expectation that things like this are going to happen. 
What it can cause us, by the way, to be is a little indifferent. Like, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. As opposed to be just like beside ourselves and, and, uh, and not just theolo- theologizing it away. Well, it's darkness. It's darkness. What do you expect? You know? I, like uh, the prophet Jeremiah and like the Lord himself, we should be weeping uh, uh, over these horrific things. They should stir us, right? And I know and I trust that as believers in Yeshua, yes, we trust in the Lord. But you know, it is not an unhealthy thing to observe things like that and say, How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? That's not a lack of faith. That's not a, uh, are you sure you're really a believer? You know? No, that's like, that's called being honest and being a a full human being, you know? Uh, uh, and of course, what we have seen, uh, you know, by the way, the, you know, the, uh, the things go, you know, the, the war in the Ukraine, by the way, that's still happening. I just wanted a public service announcement. Okay, that's still happening. Uh, and all the atrocities and horrible things going on there, and, and uh, also the friends that we even have in Russia that are uh, experiencing uh, great difficulties. Uh, uh, there as well, uh, you know, uh, where, you know, how long, oh Lord. Uh, and then other things that can happen in our lives. Just sometimes, what it, you know, we get blamed for something at work we didn't do. Uh, or, uh, you know, I was in a car accident. I'm okay, but it's going to be a major headache, you, you know, or just things in life. Just things. They have a snowball effect. You know? Uh, And so David is not living in denial. He's not saying, well, I'm not supposed to be upset. So I won't be upset. Right? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? How long will I cry inside? How long, we could actually say, will I feel sorry for myself? How long will I be crying the Linda Ronstadt song? She was a singer from a long time ago. Poor, pitiful me. Right? Uh, You know, this reminds me a lot of Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Psalm 42, uh, you know, I will say it about Psalm 13 and Psalm 42. I will say that David is depressed. This is depression, you know, he's depressed, right? Now, if you look in verse 2 of Psalm 42, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Uh, No, I'm sorry, verse 3. Oh, no, no, verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. When they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember and and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. He's saying, oh yeah, with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. He's saying, I remember the good old days. 
I remember the good old days of singing the songs and, you know, the great days of fellowship and great things. But now all I have is my tears and those things are like a distant memory and all I'm doing is crying inside now. And then he says in verse 5, Why are you in despair, O my soul? He's talking to himself, the inside voice. Why am I in despair? And so you could say he's, you know, he's, why am I feeling this way? My life is, my life is going down the tubes. Everything's a mess. I don't know what to do. Where is God? Okay, so we could say, if you go back to Psalm 13, that is the, that is the condition of David here. Okay, it's a, it's, a, it's a bad place to be. And I think if we're all honest, we've all been there, right? But then what does he do? He cries out to God. He cries out to God. Consider and answer me, Lord my God, and lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. In other words, this is going to kill me. And lighten my eyes, I'm crying out to you, lest my enemies say I have overcome him, lest my adversaries rejoice when I am, when I am shaken. So I'm crying out to you, Lord. I could go to 10 different places. Habakkuk does the very same thing, right? Asaph in Psalm 73 does the very same thing. In Psalm 42, David does the very same thing. In fact, back there, again, in Psalm 42, what does David actually cry out to God? It's written at the beginning of the, of the psalm. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? In other words, what David says is, I need more of you. I need more. He's fighting it. It's a fight. I need more of you, but I'm overwhelmed. But I need more of you. Oh, but I'm overwhelmed. I remember the past. It's a distant memory, but I'm crying on the inside. You ever hear that crying on the inside? Yeah. That's exactly what he's doing in here in, in Psalm uh, 13. Uh, that is uh, what we read uh, here. And this, uh, you know, this crying out, this crying out to God. Well, then it's amazing, the next thing that we read uh, the next thing that we read uh, in, the, uh, in, in the psalm. But I have trusted in your chesed. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. What's very interesting is what's changed? We don't read about some kind of deliverance. We don't read that now everything's all just fine and dandy and, uh, you know, uh, the show's on for 60 minutes at, at, uh, at minute 58. Uh, we have complete resolution uh, and, and now we're good to go. There does not seem to be any resolution here, but what we do see, uh, of the circumstance, but what he does do here, he basically, if there is resolution, it's in his mind. There is resolution in his heart. It's like when Job says, I know my Redeemer lives. He knows who God is. So he says, I have, but I have trusted in your chesed. My heart shall rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord, you have dealt bountifully with me. 
While my situation may not have changed yet, I know who you are. I know who you are, and I will place my hope and my trust uh, in you. You know, it is interesting that in James chapter 1, when James talks about, you know, rejoicing in tribulation and that kind of thing, if you go far, a little bit farther down uh, in the chapter, he says, he says uh, this, okay? So, you know, he says, uh, if anyone, here, I, I uh, consider it in verse 2, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that God is at work, basically, knowing that God is at work. I can trust you, God, because I know that you are uh, at work. Then if you go down, though, to verse uh, 12, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who, uh, who love him. But he goes on to say, in verse 17, every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, to whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. That's great. That that's who God is. He does not change. It may be cloudy, but the sun is behind the clouds. And so I can keep my head above the water. I can keep going because I know in whom I believe and above all, I know that there is indeed a future and I know that there is a hope. And that gets me through today. As Peter says... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, Yeshua the Messiah, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born from above to a living hope through the resurrection of Yeshua HaMashiach from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. It's there, right? In other words, it's, a, it's the real deal. This is in 1 Peter chapter 1 who are protected by the power of God through faith for a deliverance or a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Messiah Yeshua. And though you have not seen him yet, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. Right? Obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so, finally, if you go down to verse 13, he says, Therefore, gird your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit for your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Messiah Yeshua. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves and in all your behavior. And so we do have this hope. Regardless of what we see, regardless of what we experience, regardless of what we feel, 
God is indeed true. He is indeed the creator. There is indeed a future. He travels with us in the present, and he is indeed at work. And we are never, uh, we are never abandoned, right? And so therefore, uh, as we walk closer to God, we, we hopefully are cultivating this kind of trust. And just as I pray, let me say, one of the great ways of, another great way besides remembering past experiences and reading scripture, is engaging with one another. Engaging with one, that's why community is so important. To be built up, uh, to be encouraged, to be validated in trusting God. It's a faith builder to gather together, to interact with each other. Uh, and so may we be built up, may we be strengthened, and may this year as we come to Shavuot, uh, may our trust in the Lord, the metal of our faith, be stronger uh, and more vibrant and abundant. Let's pray. Lord, may we be able to walk through great difficulties, not, uh, not without feeling, and not without care and, and lamenting horrible things, but still trusting the one whom we may not completely understand, but know. Lord, we look forward to the day when, uh, you know, uh, beauty would rise out of ashes and the oil of gladness out of mourning. Lord, we thank you. Uh, that the day will be when there will be the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Lord, and of course, Yeshua uh, uh, spoke to this uh, when uh, he spoke about those, you know, today who yearn for that future. May we be blessed today as we live that out in the present, as we read in the Beatitudes. Uh, Lord, thank you for the comfort you give us. Thank you, Lord, for the fellowship you give us. Thank you, Lord, for the strength you give us to endure, and not only to endure, but to thrive in this life, Lord, while at the same time lamenting and caring indeed about this world. Lord, I pray for each of us here today that might be experiencing just uh, throwing in the, you know, close to throwing in the towel being kind of depressed or down or despairing. Lord, I pray that you would speak into each of our lives today and that we might rise from the despair and place our trust indeed in you. We thank you and we pray in Messiah's name. Amen.